grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which engages us this day is the gospel lesson read previously. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, do you have what it takes to be one of the few, one of the proud, a United States Marine? That was the question that used to be asked in commercials for the United States Marines. And if you wanted to see what it took to be a Marine, you could go to the Marines' website and find there all of the entry-level requirements for being a Marine in all sorts of different categories, from physical fitness to, to education and many more. But if anyone thinks that being a Marine is simple or requires very little in the way of commitment, he would be sadly mistaken. Well, in our gospel lesson for today, Jesus, in effect, asks the crowds that are coming after him, do you have what it takes to be one of my disciples, a follower of mine? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, where he will offer the ultimate sacrifice of his life for the sins of the world. And Luke records at the beginning of our gospel lesson that Great crowds are now following him. Likely they've seen some of his miracles, heard some of his teachings. But now Jesus asks them to examine themselves, to count the cost of following him as one of his disciples. In effect, asking, do you have what it takes to be a disciple of mine? And as those in our gospel lesson examine themselves, we also this morning examine ourselves and ask that same question of ourselves. The first area where Jesus asks the crowds to see if they have what it takes to be his disciples is with regard to family. And here Jesus makes a statement that sounds very strange to our ears coming from his lips. He says in our gospel lesson for today, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. What in the world does Jesus mean by this? Is Jesus stipulating that any follower of his must automatically violate the fourth commandment? I thought God said to honor your father and your mother. Is this same Jesus who told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, now telling us we must hate our family members if we're going to follow him and be his disciple? Well, the word hate used in this context simply means to love less. In other words, we are to love parents and spouse and children and brothers and sisters less than we love Christ. That's all he means by it. He said much the same thing in Matthew chapter 10 when he was speaking on the same subject and said, whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy to be my disciple. As his disciples, as his followers, of course we love our family members. For example, we love our parents 
whom God used to give us the gift of life in the first place, whom God used to provide all that we need to support and sustain us as we were growing up in this life. And most importantly, and hopefully, as God utilized them to bring us up in the wisdom and nurture of the Lord. But father and mother, spouse, children, brothers, and sisters are not to be number one in our lives. Jesus is. And how sad when that doesn't work out in family situations. How sad it is when one spouse loves Jesus Christ not with, but in spite of their spouse. How sad it is when a child loves Jesus Christ in spite of the ridiculing comments of a parent toward Christ and the church. And yet, how wonderful to see God using one spouse who loves Jesus Christ to bring Christ and saving faith to the other spouse, or to see, as we often do here at St. Paul's with our school, how God utilizes a child who loves Christ to bring Christ and saving faith to one or both parents in the household. Do you have what it takes, Jesus asked, to be one of my disciples when it comes to family? Second, Jesus asked, do you have what it takes to be one of my disciples when it comes to your very life? Notice our life is the last item that's listed in that long list of things that we are to hate or love less than Jesus Christ. Jesus underscores that same point when later on he says, if anyone comes to me and does not bear his cross and come after me, He cannot be my disciple. Now, the people to whom Jesus was speaking would have been familiar with the sight of convicted criminals bearing their cross to the place that they were going to be executed. In Bible times, bearing your cross brought to mind images of death and execution. Now, granted, today... Many people use the phrase bearing a cross in a very general, non-specific way to refer to any hardship, any problem, any concern in their lives. For example, if someone is suffering with the pain and the stiffness of arthritis, they might refer to it as just a cross I have to bear. But in the biblical sense... A cross does not refer to any general problem or concern in life. It refers to those hardships that we face as a direct result of confessing Jesus Christ as our Savior. For example, you might bear a cross in your life for confessing Jesus Christ as Savior in relationships with others, friends, family members, for example. I will never forget a conversation that I was involved in about 25 years ago. It was at a party in a neighbor's home in our subdivision, and I was speaking there with a father of a friend of my son, Nathan. And the conversation was going along just fine, and then he asked, "And what do you do for a living? 
I said, well, I'm a Lutheran pastor, and I'm on the staff at Concordia Seminary in Clayton, which I was at that time. And immediately, his facial expression changed. Immediately, the tone of the conversation changed. And in about another minute, he excused himself to go over and talk to some others. Now, granted, that was a minor cross that I was bearing at that time, but you might be bearing many crosses as a result of confessing a faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps, again, in relationships with others, maybe even family members, maybe at your place of employment, connected with your career. And let's not forget that more and more seemingly these days, Christians around the world are bearing the ultimate cross, being executed simply because they confess a faith in Jesus Christ. It was not even 18 months ago that we were horrified to hear of the 21 Coptic Christians from Egypt who were beheaded by ISIS in Libya for no other reason than confessing Jesus Christ as Savior. Just as in Bible times, bearing a cross meant images of death and execution, seemingly more and more today, that same image comes to mind when we think of bearing a cross. And if you were confirmed in a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, your pastor should have asked you a very pointed question in that confirmation, right? Perhaps you remember it. The question is this. Do you intend to remain steadfast in this confession and church and suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? And living in the relative comfort and peace of the United States of America, perhaps we didn't give that question much thought. But now let's return to the original question. When we know that all, is, all that is involved in being a disciple, loving family members less than Christ, loving our own lives less than Christ, bearing a cross if called upon to for Jesus Christ, do we have what it takes individually and collectively to be disciples of Jesus Christ? No, not at all. At least not on our own. For you see, we are all conceived and born with a nature that tends to love ourselves, not God. One that moves us to love whatever will bring us momentary pleasure, comfort, peace, happiness, and will serve us not God. You see, that's the way it is with sin. By its very nature, it turns us in on ourselves and away from God and away from one another. By our very nature, we don't want to hear about loving Christ more than our family members. We don't want to hear about loving Christ more than our own life, and we certainly don't want to hear about bearing a cross for Christ. We simply don't have what it takes by our very nature to be disciples of Christ. But the good news for us 
is that there are no self-made disciples of Jesus Christ. The very fact that we are disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, does not come from us. It comes from the gracious working of God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives, calling us to faith by the word and continuing to strengthen us and encourage us in that same faith. Remember how Luther explained it in his explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. The very fact that we are disciples of Jesus Christ is a credit to the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. And it's also good news for us that there is forgiveness for all of our less than perfect discipleship in this world. Stop to think about it. If Jesus could forgive and reinstate and do tremendous things through his own disciple Peter, who denied even knowing Jesus three times in the courtyard after Christ's arrest, how much more won't he forgive us and continue to do marvelous things, his work through us? Even when, for those times when we are less than faithful in our confession of him. And if Christ could forgive all of those disciples who at times were so self-absorbed arguing amongst themselves as to which one of them was going to be the greatest, how much more won't he forgive us for those times when we become self-absorbed as his modern-day disciples? Every sin we have ever committed and every sin we will ever commit as one of his disciples is covered with the blood that Christ shed on the cross that he bore for you and for me. And disciples of Jesus Christ, you know that there is much more involved in being a follower of Jesus Christ, especially in terms of the blessings that we receive along the way. For with Jesus Christ, we have the truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And with Jesus Christ, we have peace. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems or worries or concerns in this world. In fact, we might even have more than just about anybody else we know. But in the midst of those problems, cares, and concerns, we have a calm, a confidence, a sense of well-being that is rooted in Jesus Christ. The same Christ who said to his disciples, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And with Jesus Christ, we have joy in this life. There is great joy in serving God and one another, knowing that for all of us, the very best is still yet to come. Do you have what it takes? Yes. With Christ you do. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. 
Amen. We stand to confess the Christian faith.